We are all alone, born alone, die alone, and in spite of the true romance magazines, we shall all someday look back on our lives and see that, in spite of our company, we were alone the whole way. I do not say lonely, at least not all the time, but essentially and finally, alone. This is what makes your self-respect so important. And I don't see how you can respect yourself if you must look in the hearts and minds of others for your happiness. Hunter S. Thompson. Hey guys, what's up? And welcome back to another Coffee Talk podcast episode. Today, I wanted to talk about how to enjoy spending time alone or just your time alone, any time that you get to yourself, just how to really soak that up and how to really fully enjoy that time. I feel like I'm kind of talking from a lot of experience in today's episode because I tend to spend quite a bit of time alone. I mean, I work alone and I've lived alone before. I'm about to be living alone again in September and I like to travel alone. And I just, I don't know. I don't know if it's just been something from when I was little or what. I love being in the company of my friends and family and I love being around everybody that I love, but I also love feeling just the recharge of spending some good quality alone time. So I figured it'd be a fun topic to talk about, especially now that it's low summer months too, because I feel like sometimes there's that little bit of summer FOMO where you think everybody's out there like just, you know, thriving, maybe patio hopping, just doing crazy wild things. And you're just like, oh, here I am on July afternoon, taking a nice nap and hanging out. But in all reality, a lot of us are actually spending our afternoons alone. And that's totally cool. And not only that, it's totally fun. So let's dive into exactly how to enjoy a little bit more of your own alone time. The thing is, you know yourself better than anyone else on this entire planet. From the day you were born until this very day that you're listening to this, you have been with yourself every single step of the way. You've seen the good things, the bad things, the happy memories, the not so happy memories. You know what you like, you know what you don't like, you know your preferences, you know what time you got up this morning, you know what thoughts you've been having all day. There is no one else on this planet who is exactly like you. While you might be like a lot of other people, there is no one that has the exact cocktail or combination of all of us as individuals. You are the only person that knows your deepest thoughts to your craziest experiences and knows exactly how all of those things have affected you along the way. I think it's kind of crazy when you think about it that in life we can really be our own worst enemy, but I don't think we really want to do that or we ever really do that by choice. You know, those times in life where you kind of make a lot of mistakes or you know you're not doing what you should be doing. And maybe when you're going through those phases, that time in particular, it can be really hard to actually want to spend your time alone. There have been times my life that I've noticed that being alone gets really uncomfortable. And I've kind of fiend the feeling of having someone close by or someone near me, even if they were just in the other room. And that came from a fear of myself that came from wanting to kind of run away from myself. And I think it was because during those times in my life, I was kind of like my own worst enemy. If you've ever dealt with that kind of feeling before, you know, with uh, just being like at odds with yourself or you versus you, I think that the trick to getting over that. And one of the first things that comes from actually being able to enjoy your time alone is learning how to forgive yourself for all of the mishaps, all of the mistakes, and all of the ways that you have told yourself or ingrained into your brain that you've somehow fallen short in this life. And that's not an easy thing to do because I feel like a lot of the times, you know, we have to kind of have those guardrails. We kind of have to have that sense of measuring. And I think that we don't, okay, let me rephrase that. We don't have to measure 
measure ourselves, but I think that in a lot of ways it's important too. And we have to learn to do so in a healthy way because it is by measuring ourselves that we can see where we may need to, you know, improve on a few things or where we might notice that a mistake that we made, we probably should have chosen a better option. And so that way we can learn those lessons and choose those better options the next time around. That said, it's one thing to have all that and see all of that, but then it's a whole other thing to forgive yourself. And I think it can go a long way when we tend to notice where we've fallen short or notice where we've possibly made mistakes. And yes, we say, okay, we're going to change this and I'm never going to let that happen again or whatever it is that we tell ourselves so that we can push past that discomfort of being in a pocket of our lives where we feel like we are maybe not being our best selves, but it can be very easy to push out of that pocket without actually fully ever forgiving yourself. And then that feeling of, I can't forgive myself for this. Like I've learned from this and I'll move on from this. But deep down, if you don't actually forgive yourself for the times that you've maybe been at odds with yourself, that tends to build. And then all of a sudden months or years might go by where you're constantly adding up all of these things that you are kind of like low key inside your mind. I want to say not beating yourself up for them, but I guess like in a lot of ways, just holding yourself accountable to these things like, oh, I'm lazy or I'm always the type of person that does this, or I'm never going to have my life together or whatever it is. And that tends to build and build and build. And that becomes your identity. And then suddenly you become afraid of your own identity and you become afraid of your yourself because you're not wanting to face these things that you've maybe not forgiven yourself for. So the first and foremost, most important thing when it comes to actually enjoying your time alone, and I guess in a lot of ways too, this is all kind of about mending that friendship within yourself, because it's probably one of the most important ones you will ever have in this entire life. In fact, I would even go as far as saying it probably is the most important. The key to forgiving yourself is asking what you perhaps taught yourself from these situations, what you have learned from your experiences. And not only that, see how you did measure up in those scenarios for an example, okay? There's things that I've talked about before with my therapist where I'm like, it really bothers me that I chose to handle this situation in this way. Or I don't know why, given the fact that consciously I know that doing this was wrong, I chose to do it anyway because I was stressed out or I chose to do it anyway for whatever reason. And it wasn't until she brought this kind of perspective into my life that I realized that this is super important and we don't tend to naturally do this with ourselves. She said, given the amount of choices that you could have chosen, given the amount of ways that you could have handled that situation that were much more just you know, poorly, it just would have ended way worse, or you would have chosen something way worse than how you actually did. At least you chose this. So whatever it is that you feel like you've maybe accumulated in your life, maybe it's, you know, you don't know how you've gotten this far without really pushing yourself to try at work, or you don't know how you've gotten this far without really pushing yourself to start hitting the gym and start taking care of yourself or, you know, to start talking to a therapist, even like whatever it is that you are just not forgiving yourself for, you have to see that in those moments, in those pockets of time where you maybe have felt like you were suffering or maybe have felt like you were dealing with some sort of pain, that your way of handling that pain was at least better than some of the other options out there. I mean, you're not sitting in an alleyway somewhere, you know, shooting up some sort of drug into your vein. No, you chose to deal with it by maybe isolating yourself, or maybe you chose to deal with it by comfort eating. But whatever it is, at least acknowledge the fact that out of all the options you could have chose, you chose one that wasn't 
all that bad. And not only that, I think too, when it comes to forgiving ourselves, we have to see those moments where we are at odds with ourselves. A lot of the time we're at odds with our ego and our ego is just trying to protect us at the end of the day. It doesn't care about truth or false. It just literally wants to protect you. And a good amount of healthy ego is just that it's healthy. So forgive yourself for all the moments that you've had in your life up until now, where you have felt like you were not at your best, or you know that you could have done better, but maybe you did because that's kind of part of the whole point. You know, life can't be perfect. And it's from our mistakes that we learn our biggest lessons. Have you ever heard the quote that you don't know anyone that's strong with an easy past? Whatever it is that you've dealt with in your life, that wasn't easy for you to deal with. And it doesn't matter how it measures up to anybody else's, what anyone else has had to deal with. You know, it doesn't matter at all. All that matters is that for you, it was something that was painful and you dealt with it the way that you could. And especially if you're not in that point in your life anymore, but you're still holding on to the resentment towards yourself for it, forgive yourself. There's a lot of things that I've had to learn how to make peace with myself and forgive myself with over the years. I This might actually come as a little bit of a surprise, guys, but I'm going to tell you guys a funny story. Okay. It's funny now, but it wasn't funny then. I once went through a phase in high school where I stole things. Yeah, you heard that right. I used to just, it was bad, I know, and I'm not, I'm not proud to admit it. This is not a phase that I am like willing to tell everybody about, but yet here I am on my podcast telling everyone about it. It was, I think in a lot of ways, my own just simple act of rebellion at the time. And it was one that I really didn't even understand why I was doing it. I remember many times that it would be happening and I would be like, why am I doing this? But yet there I was, and it was almost like this uncontrollable impulse. Mind you, it was like little petty theft, pack of gum here, maybe a lipstick there. Okay. Actually I'll, I'll admit it was one time it was a shirt and I got really creative in the ways that I was always kind of waiting for someone to catch me. And I was always kind of like pushing the limits a little bit. And when I did get caught, it was the worst feeling in the entire world because all along I had known what I was doing was wrong. I couldn't explain why I was doing it, but I did know it was wrong. And looking back now, I think that it was my own way of acting out. I was really angry as a teenager and I was dealing with a lot of, or at least I think masking is a better word, a lot of a deeper sense of sadness. It's not a pretty part of my feelings that I like to face on a regular basis, but it's something that I'm slowly trying to kind of like open myself back up to and almost go back to those teenage years in my life and kind of nurture that version of myself because she never got that nurturing, you know, and I never forgave myself for these things. I just kind of let the years pass and I changed very, very quickly along the, along the way. And when I changed and I started to live my life based on my values, I never went back to the times where I wasn't living by my values and fully ever forgave myself. And so there's always been this little bit of fear or kind of like imposter syndrome where I've been afraid that I'm maybe not a good person or you kind of get at odds with yourself. So it's taken a lot of time and a lot of like introspection to go back to those times in my life and be like, hey, I know why you're doing this now. You're doing this because you just want someone to pay attention and it's okay. Like I'm here or I know that sounds really corny, but it's important to go back to these points in your life and forgive yourself. 
I used to try and erase that version of me from my memory. And instead I wanted to almost like go into the extreme of trying to overcompensate for the times in my life that I've been embarrassed by how I behaved or how I reacted or how I dealt with situations. And this overcorrection only further enforced my inability to forgive myself because then yes, I became a perfectionist. Then I was almost a goody two shoes and I was never willing to kind of bend or break the rules a little bit or even bend and break the mold of who I thought I should be. And so it became very hard for me to really be myself because I was constantly kind of holding myself to this standard of you need to overcompensate for the times in your life that you feel guilty for. And it's important to try and live by a set of values. I do truly believe that. And they're ones that you're hopefully going to learn quickly the minute that you get the gut feeling that you're doing something that is wrong or against your core. But even when you do do something that feels like it is wrong or against your core, I mean, as long as you're not hurting anyone else, that is, I think in order to truly move forward in life and be able to actually value yourself and live by those values and live by your sets of morals you have to learn to forgive yourself and you have to learn to love yourself for the good, the bad, and the ugly. That includes all of the history that has led you to being the exact person that you are today and all of the formulas that have fed into your life that has created the cocktail that is your life today. I recently started joking about my old like thefty days with my friends and even just I mean, I've talked about it a little bit with my therapist too, but it made it easier for me once I started owning this part of me. Like, yeah, guys, one time I used to steal lipsticks. Like, it's like a joke now because I have forgiven that version of me. I understand why that version of me was acting out now. And it's no longer something that I'm afraid to face anymore. I mean, it's obviously not something I love to admit, but it's a part of my history. And to be honest, it taught me a lot. It taught me that I don't like disappointing people really close to me. It taught me that I definitely don't like, you know, disappointing myself. And that integrity was a value that was important to me and a value that I wanted to live by. And that in learning or through living without my integrity, it really, really kicked it back into high gear, super strong almost overcorrecting and then balanced itself back out. So I was able to then forgive myself for the mistakes that I made. So forgive yourself for whatever mistakes you are still holding yourself accountable for. You've made many mistakes, but that's okay. You're probably going to make a million more. We all will. And it's going to be a lot easier to do so gracefully and continue to enjoy our time on this earth and continue to have our own backs when we learn to forgive ourselves a little bit more. I don't want to say gracefully again, because that is repeating the same word. Let me think. Hold on one sec. Instead of forgiving ourselves a little more gracefully, let's say taking our mistakes a little more lightly. So there's this quote by Aristotle that says, knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. Of course, I'm going to start the second portion of this portion, portion of this podcast with another quote. I have to though, because this quote is super important. In order to truly understand life, I think that we have to have some sort of understanding of ourselves. I don't think that we ever fully understand ourselves because then the minute that you're like, yep, this is it. This is who I am. You stop growing. And I also don't think that it should be, you know, learning or knowing yourself from the sense of maybe self-obsessing or the egotistical kind, but more the authentic kind. What makes you feel wholesome? What leaves you feeling empty? What ignites your passion? What life values are important to you? What is the type of person you want to be? What would your 80-year-old self think about the life that you're living right now? If you could literally zoom forward, sit down on a porch and drink 
the coffee that you're drinking, hopefully right now with your 80 year old self and say, what do you think about the life that I've lived? What would they tell you? What would they say to care about? What would they say to let go so much resentment over? What would they say to stop thinking so much about or obsessing so much over? And what would they say to pay attention to? It's easy to get zoomed into life. Our day-to-day is, you know, hectic and it comes with a lot of to-dos and a lot of people and a lot of just things that we are constantly being flooded with. And that's, that's just life. But it can be very easy to forget that who you've been and who you are now and who you are going to be, it's all part of the school of life. Everything that you're experiencing from the overwhelm to the simple feelings of life, it's all part of almost like the classroom of life. I've mentioned this before that I've struggled in the past with almost kind of being afraid of myself. Have you ever heard of imposter syndrome? It's basically the persistent inability to believe that one's successes is deserved or has been legitimately achieved as a result of one owns effort or skills. Meaning that I have definitely dealt with that feeling before of the inability to believe that the success that I have in my life or the happiness that I have in my life is well-deserved or has been legitimately achieved by my efforts and my skills. I think that for some reason, I sometimes feel guilty or I've definitely dealt with bigger feelings of feeling guilty for being happy, for just letting myself feel like I've achieved something. And I'm always kind of drastically looking for a way to approve, improve, sorry, a way to improve, but also I guess, yeah, too, a way to approve myself. I've talked about this a lot with my therapist, probably pretty much into oblivion of all the ways that I truly feel guilty for just enjoying my life, which has left me on stress work produce hamster wheels that steer me down a quick path to fatigue and burnout. It was a big, big problem for me in 2018. And I feel like 2019 has been the year of learning how to balance out and stop feeling that fatigue and burnout by not you know, just kind of steamrolling over all of my accomplishments into the next one. And instead taking a second to really like taste the fruit and celebrate your life. That said though, those moments when I was feeling burnt out and I have dealt with that extreme fatigue, I was so afraid to admit that I even was burnt out and that I would just continue to try and push and persevere through barely even running on fumes. And learning this about myself, I've become better at catching those types of patterns, be it mental patterns or physical patterns that lead me into some cycle of just perpetual anxiety and feeling like an imposter in my own life. And like the only way that that imposter feeling will go away is if I continue to work harder and produce more and connecting to the things that I love and value most has made it easier for me to then slow down and really just sink into the present moment and sink into the things that I'm experiencing and and just be grateful for them without feeling like I need to be doing something with it or I need to be even just capturing it or creating something out of it, that sometimes it's okay to just enjoy your life. The only way I can think to describe that feeling that I had is always like assuming that you have not yet deserved the right to be happy right here, right now, because there's still just so much work to be done. That's kind of the hamster wheel that my brain had always stayed on. And so it became really hard for me to enjoy my time alone and for me to really just enjoy my quality time. I'm going to even go as far as saying some of the solo trips that I did go on, for instance, I feel like, okay, the road trip that I went on with Bentley, I had a great time, right? But that road trip, I also kept on feeling like I had to move on to the next thing and I couldn't 
just slow down or take the scenic route or take a minute to breathe. I was on to the next, on to the next, on to the next, because if I stayed still for too long, the distraction would go away and I would have to face how I was feeling at that time, which I was dealing with a lot at that time and I didn't want to feel it. So that's kind of like the way that my life felt like for a little while, like that was my autopilot. So it became very hard to slow down and relax and enjoy my time alone. There's always going to be work to do. Life's hardest trick is learning how to be happy, loved, or even just feel fulfilled while also still actively looking to fill and grow your soul more and work more. You know, it's not bad to want to work more. Ambition is a beautiful thing. It's only bad when it falls out of balance. And I think that the more that you learn awareness, the more you can fill it with self-trust and the ability to be exactly where you are as you get to where you're actually going. Life will be a lot easier if we can learn to do so without being so critical and demanding of ourselves. If you want to learn how to love your time alone, you need to learn to love your own brain space. I recently heard this whole concept that what we say or what we think interchangeably, a lot of the times what we say is what we think, but what we say does become in a lot of ways what we think. So even if you're not saying something out loud, if you're writing it in your journal, or if you're thinking it consistently inside your mind, what you think does become your reality. So we need to be aware of just how much we are talking to ourselves in our brain and the types of hamster wheels we're keeping ourselves on because that right there is such an easy spot to start in learning how to love yourself again. I know, again, that sounds so corny, but it's hard to love yourself if you can't love your own company. And your own company, a lot of the times, is the dialogue that's going on inside your mind. So become aware of it and realize it and notice when it's being critical and notice when it's being demanding of yourself and try and interject with a little bit of, I want to say like reality or a little bit of an observer mindset of maybe more so instead of I need to get all this done or else today was lazy or today was a waste. Instead, look at it as, look at how much I've already gotten done. I can't wait to see what else I create today. And even just that shift in your mind space is going to make it so much nicer to go about your day in your own company or wherever you are. I think in order to love your brain space, you have to accept it for all that it is and all that it's learning and downloading at any given moment. Be kind to your brain, even when it's not being kind to you, because it's literally just trying to download and process all the information that's constantly being thrown at it. And so, yeah, a lot of the times it is going to get a little defensive. And when it gets defensive, it might try and protect you by always looking at the negatives in life, because those negatives are threats. That's all it's trying to do. Instead, talk to your brain like a little five-year-old and just politely direct it towards the positives while thanking it for pointing out those negatives in case those those negatives do need to have your attention. It's just a lot of the times those negatives don't need your attention or the things it's demanding aren't actually a measure in which that you have to hold your self-love or your accountability on. True wisdom and contentment comes from being exactly where we are without any expectation of the world or of ourselves. Another way that you can learn to love your time alone is to use what you love or already know that you love to your own advantage. Only you know what fills you up the most, be it music, painting, maybe watching YouTube videos, being outside in nature, putting together a bomb-ass outfit, watching reality television. I have been watching The Bachelorette. I don't know why I can't stop watching it, guys. It's an addiction, though. It's truly just... It is my Monday night peace of mind. Some might even say that baking fills them up. I know around the Christmas time, that is definitely a mood. It may be even fall time. Maybe you like to write. Maybe you like to dance. Maybe you like to draw, read, 
maybe even just go driving or traveling, singing, surfing. The list is literally endless. Anytime you get the gift of quality alone time, fall back on the things you already know you love to do. I think that we're at our best when we're blissfully participating in the things that fill us with the most joy, light, and energy. You know, those things that you do and you just feel just so elated because you're doing it. For me, things like yoga make me feel that way or writing makes me feel that way. Working on a lot of just even creating like videos. If I make a bomb video and I'm super excited to put it out, I am filled with so much energy because of that. Just feeling like I'm in a flow state with whatever it is I'm doing. It can be super easy to get a sense of fun the minute that we find ourselves alone. And I find that this only gets amplified by scrolling through things like social media and just seeing what everybody else is always up to. Like, oh, this person's traveling here and this person's with all of these people, especially when you're creeping people's like stories because that's more in live time. You're like, wow, it seems like everybody's doing something wild and crazy and I'm just sitting here doing this. Now, I love social media and I love being inspired by the lives that other people are living. And I think that that is actually so, I think it's iconic, you know, our generation, that I think there can be a lot of pessimistic and negative ways to look at it. But I also do think that we are the generation of voice. We have created our own voice and we will speak our voices and our speak our truths. And I think that that is so cool. And it's cool that we're also so interconnected and we're also, even though there is a lot of, you know, like mental health aspects that come from, I think the increase in technology and the decrease in like physical interactions. I also think that there is a lot of, even just social benefits that come from social media. But I think that finding a balance is super important. And you have to health check that balance by spending some quality time alone and doing something that you love or, you know, even just noticing when your mind is active when you're doing those things you love. Where does your mind even go? Do you find that you're getting lost in the task that's at hand? Are you finding that it's harder to concentrate? Are you finding or feeling like a drift of flow state? Are you noticing that not really anything is going on in your mind at all? No matter what you notice, accept it because it's the state that you're in right now and it comes with good reason. I'm going to reiterate that again, because this is something that I feel like I'm even really bad at. And it's no matter where your mind space is, the minute that you notice, accept it. It's the state that you're in right now. And it comes with good reason. When we find it hard to do the things that we love the most, especially in our own company, I think that that's a sign that something in my life is catching my attention and therefore it needs to be focused on. There's something, you know, sitting my blind spot that's honking its horn, or there's something that's dangling above my head that's saying, Hey, pay attention to me. And then if I just try and ignore it, it's just going to constantly just try and grab at my attention. So if I'm especially doing the things I love most, like if I notice I unroll my yoga mat, I read a quote once that says your yoga mat is your mirror or let your yoga mat be thy mirror, whatever it was. And in a lot of ways, it just means that when you unroll your mat and you go down to stretch, where is your mind? Look in the mirror, like mentally look in the mirror and see where you're at. Are you in a flow state with your body or is your mind being pulled somewhere else? And if it is, accept it because it's being pulled there for a reason and it's needing your attention for a reason. It's odds are an emotion or a feeling or a thought that hasn't been properly digested. And so it's still calling for us to pay attention to it. I think the other outcome that can come from getting lost in the thing that you love to do most is that you actually forget space and time completely. And that is usually the ultimate goal. There are times too, when unrolling my yoga mat, I get on that mat and I just fall into this weirdest bliss light state. It's like I'm in a state of flow and I'm stretching and I'm aware of 
every single fiber in my body and I'm almost kind of floating. But at the same time, it's the weirdest feeling, but it's like, if I go to stretch my thigh, I can actually visualize, feel, and just like put my energy right into that thigh muscle and feel it in a way that I wasn't feeling it five seconds before. That's the only way I can put that feeling into words. And so that feeling comes from more than just yoga. That is what flow is. And I think that you go into a flow and most of the time you sync or you connect to what it is that you're doing. And a lot of the times that feeling comes when we're doing something we love. I think that feeling is to me anyways, what it is to be truly and fully alive. I've heard of theories before that the meaning as to why we even exist is so that the universe can experience itself. Meaning that the energy that we use to move and think and laugh and dance and experience life in general is not really just us. It's the universe moving through us so that it can experience itself and it's creating a ripple. There's so much to our lives. There's bills and breakfasts and Mondays and Thursdays. There's holidays and best friends and families, to-do lists. There are Netflix shows to watch. There are events to head to, maybe a movie you want to go see, a puzzle to be solved, dinners to be made. And we are so human that we're bound to get sucked up into it all. That's totally fine. We're not meant to be entirely conscious and aware all of the time. Otherwise, we wouldn't get anything done. That said, I think it is super vital to our ability to feel connection to ourselves and to our lives to often get lost in experiencing things that bring us the most joy and that turn on our sense of consciousness and our awareness. Whatever leaves you feeling relaxed, inspired, content, blissed, block out some time in your life to experience those things on a more regular basis. And each time you do sit back and observe yourself and you'll be able to find exactly where you are at from there. As long as you can avoid any judgment of whatever experience you have, be it good or bad, you'll find honesty with how you feel and where you're at within your life on any given day that you do this. And that's when you can work with yourself to prepare to shift whatever it is that you're noticing or if you're not noticing that anything is catching your attention at all and you do go into that amazing flow like enjoying your alone time state, you can really lose yourself in the bliss of whatever it is you're doing and whatever it is that you love the most. I think it's important in life to zoom out and to take stock. Whenever I find myself seeing my alone time as being lonely, I try and zoom out and really take a good look at my life. I take note of the times that in my life I had growing up where I was completely alone and completely content. I remember the times or the things that made me feel that way, the gratitude for those moments and those moments that just like felt so simple yet made such an impact on who I am today. For instance, there's a moment in my life that I remember being in PEI. It is basically one of the most Eastern uh, provinces in Canada and it's where a lot of my family's from. And I've gone there every single, pretty much every single summer growing up and it's where my papa was from and where my Nana was from. And it just holds a lot of just happy memories for me. And I can remember one time in particular when I was kind of spending, I guess, I don't know how much time, but I was definitely alone. And I was out at the property. We have this property there that my Nana and Papa's old cottage used to be on. And so I was there and I was like playing around in the dirt and whatever I was doing. And I just remember looking up and seeing that the sky was pink and being like, I wonder why the sky turns pink. Like I just was 
relatively curious and I was pretty young. And just that moment in general, I, don't, I can still go back to that moment. I mean, it did follow up with my papa coming up and explaining to me why the sky turns pink. And that's why it's also a favorite memory of mine. But it is one of those memories that is still ingrained into my mind. Those moments where I can remember being alone and noticing a tree, or I can remember being alone and noticing a squirrel and just having these moments of contemplation, even when I was really young. And those moments are like burned into my mind because those moments, I think in a lot of ways, feed more into who I am today than I could probably even understand. Then I like to take stock of where I am in my life right now. I notice everything that's going on this week or this month or this year and all the time that has been devoted and designated to different life events, projects, or even just personal relationships that are going on in my life right now, presently, and today. And then finally, I like to look forward and see all the times in my life that have literally yet to have happened yet, to have even come yet, that will be filled with so much activity, whether that's trips or memories to be made with friends that have completely yet to make, or events that have yet to take place, maybe the day that I'll have a crying baby to tend to, or maybe two crying babies to tend to, or an important meeting to prepare for, and when my brain is just going to be so filled to the brim with other things. And then I zoom out and I look at my life more collectively and I see all three of those pieces and the value in all the moments that I'm going to get to myself and all the moments that I have to myself and all the moments that I've already had to myself. And I try and almost soak up that same feeling that seems to be threaded through all of them as much as I can. I try to take the times in my life that I don't have a lot going on and do the things that I love. Like even if it's just traveling alone or with Bentley, whether it's writing or listening to music is like my favorite way to kill time, dreaming, dancing, planning, or pouring out my passions in whatever way that I just deem fit that week. I read somewhere that the average person lives 22 million and 75,000 seconds. That's 22 million seconds of everything from laughter tears and smiles and all the in-between. Out of the 22 million seconds that I spend in my life, the few that tie together in moments of solitude, I never want my soul to feel like that's lonely because I'm right here experiencing all 22 million seconds alongside with myself. Why and what for, I honestly could not tell you. I have no earthly idea. It's a question that I love wondering about and I love coming up with possible theories too, but all I know is that I'm, I'm just so grateful for the chance to even live it at all and continue to try and figure that out. Out of the 18,000 seconds that you've spent now here with me today, how have you felt and what have you noticed? What do you want to remember from this day? What do you want to remember from this chapter of your life? It doesn't need to mean anything to anybody else. It only needs to further the connection that you have between you and well, you, and only you are going to be able to see it. Only you have the ability to know yourself and experience yourself and experience this life, everything from your dislikes to your preferences, to your prefer not to. So in a lot of ways, it's a, it's a healthy reminder to tell ourselves not to take it for granted. There will always be someone who can't see your worth, but please don't ever let it be you. You are worth your own time and attention. You are allowed to feel whole and happy and complete exactly where you are, despite anything you deem to be a self-imperfection. Cherish the time that you spend alone. With only 22 million seconds, why waste even one on the illusion of loneliness? So there you guys have it. That is today's Coffee Talk podcast episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. If you guys ever want me to dive deeper into this whole subject, because I think there's so many ways we could go with it. We could talk about traveling alone. We could talk about you know what kind of ways you can, I don't know, 
what hobbies to take up when you do have time alone, anything like that. So as always, I'm always taking requests. I actually just posted an Instagram story today asking you guys what you wanted to talk or chat about more on the podcast. So be sure to let me know your input because I love hearing what you guys want to talk about and then hearing what you guys think about what we do talk about. So be sure to let me know. And aside from that, I'll talk to all of you guys in next week's podcast episode. Bye guys.